Welcome to Talison Talk. This is Joseph Rigazio, CEO and Principal of Talison Construction. We are in interesting times, and I am excited to have Jessica Rothman with us to chat. Jessica, tell us a little about yourself and your firm. Um, happy to be here as well. Um, first live Talison Talk, honored to be your guest. Um, I am a partner at Ingram Music, Gain and Carroll, and Bertolotti, which is a general practice law firm. So I specialize in all construction and building stuff, um, transactional, preparing, negotiating contracts, et cetera, and some litigation. But most lawyers, I think, who do what I do um, only do construction stuff. And like I said, my firm's a general practice. So we have real estate, commercial, tax, landlord, tenant, um, transactional litigation across the board, um, corporate, um, so we can really support our clients in whatever discipline or area of law, um, which I think makes us different from other firms with lawyers that do what I do. And, uh, and Ingram is specifically in the New York metro area, or where, where are the geographies? So our office is located in Midtown um, on East 42nd Street. Um, the firm's been around for 30 years. Um, I've been there 16 years, but our clients are, while they're primarily in the New York City tri-state area, the Northeast area, um, physically, they do projects all over, I, would, I was gonna say the country, but I'll really say the world. Um, and that's especially true with a lot of the design professionals we represent. Um, they do projects everywhere. Um, which keeps things interesting. I bet. And interesting is a good word for these days. Yeah. You know, we have construction and real estate. Um, that's where I have more of my expertise on the side of, you know, trying to continue to delight our clients in a very safe way and keeping up to the commitments contractually so the whole ecosystem is happy. Um, Today we have COVID-19, which no one has planned for. And we are in situations now that is unchartered for the ecosystem. Uh, what do you see going on out there? And do you have all the answers? So it's interesting because you, you said the two things. Nobody planned for it, right? But not only did no one plan for it, there's no precedent for it, right? It's never happened before. Um, and and that, that's what I think makes it most challenging. Um, what, I definitely don't have all the answers, although I will tell you my phone has been ringing off the hook since March 13th, the first day I stayed home. Um, in fact, that day, I don't know that I planned to stay home, but I literally was on the phone all day. Um, and it, it's, it's everything you, you mentioned. It's people seeking advice um, from their lawyers about safety, um, first, it was, you know, with the 50% shutdown, 75% shutdown, then 100%. Um, how do we prepare for this? Do our, can we make our workers come to work? How do we plan for this economically and from a safety standpoint um, within our firm? But then from clients, you know, how do they contend with the guidelines that they're expected to implement on site? Um, not just from a safety standpoint that the DOB allows them to remain open, but you need your workers to feel safe in the office and on site to 
get them to come and to work so you can continue operating, right? As you said, there's an ecosystem, there's your office, there are your job sites, and then there's the reality of your business, which is from a contractual standpoint, right? So people seeking information, first it's how, how do we mitigate the risk? How do we reserve our rights? We have to be pessimistic and assume that there are gonna be claims. Who's gonna pay for this stuff? The extension of time, the, the additional costs that are associated with shutting a job down or keeping it open with a diminished workforce and implementing these new guidelines, um, distancing, staggering, getting the people to come, getting workers on site to conform with your schedule. It, it, there's a lot of moving parts and, and it's unprecedented. And from a lawyer's standpoint, um, and, and I've said this before, I know we haven't spoken about it, but because I've been doing what I'm doing for 20 years, working with a lot of the same clients, it's nice to know that I don't have all the answers, but I know that I'm trustworthy and I have experience and knowledge that can help craft the solutions um, to best mitigate the risk and, and protect our clients and protect our firm, quite frankly, as, as well. Um, it, it's a lot of moving, a lot of moving parts. You know, you, you've, um, the gray in my hair that you could see a bit is really not coming through. It's been, and it's been seven, eight weeks of a situation that not only is it dynamically changing, the concerns on where the risks are, are dynamic. And you touched on a couple, so I was smiling because I'm living through it. Continue. Imagine. The, I have worked for you, uh, Mr. or Mrs. Employee. We are contractually obligated to get across the finish line. It's an essential project. I have the work. No, I, I don't want to work. I want to collect unemployment. Hmm. But I have the work for you. I'm not going to support your unemployment. You want me to support your unemployment, then I got to go hire someone else. Boy, now I'm a really mean person. I don't want to force people to come into a situation where they're not comfortable. So it's uncharted for us. And hearing you speak from a guiding people, you probably heard that. Yeah. Is this just going to all go away in a month or two? Or is the real discussions going to happen in a month or two? So it's not going to go away, right? It's not going to go away. The discussions are going to change just as they did. Like I said, my first day staying home was March 13th. And that was driven by the fact that my children's school closed on March 12th. Mm -hmm. um, and the discussions have changed because at that point, there was not a 100% shutdown of what I'll use the government's terminology, the economy, although I don't really like it. Because people are working. I'm working. You're working, right? Um, just it looks different. The landscape is different. And from March until now, here we are in May, the discussion has changed. And I think it's going to continue to change, right? It was, how can we get people working from home um, for a temporary period of time? And now the discussions have already changed into people are probably going to be working at home for 
a really long time um, for health and safety reasons related to COVID, for reasons such as children aren't going back to school, um, people are not, don't feel safe um, or confident riding public transportation. Um, so there's gonna be a lot of factors that, and not everyone can drive into Manhattan, right? And people are starting to say, is there a need for it? Do we need to come into our offices? I mean, I, like I said, I'm in the city. I could ride my bike to my office, but I'm home with my kids, right? And, and is it necessary? Um, and people are starting to, the perspective is changing. And I think with the passage of time, that's going to continue. Um, and same thing, you know, we talk about these um, payroll protection program loans. Mm -hmm. It was a short-term bridge and dates keep extending and layoffs with the intention of bringing people back. But with the landscape changing and more rules being and guidance being issued with those loans, is that really going to be the answer for a lot of these companies? So the questions are changing, the conversations are changing because the issues are changing. Yes. Oh boy, the, the labor laws itself are going to be tested in, in a different way. <laughs> I mean, if th think about that. Um, we have, Taliesin's got a sizable office right around the corner from Penn Station. You know, accommodates 25 to 30 people. We have no more than two in there now. And these are, if you look at the, the landscape of how the office is laid out, because we have a lot of project managers and assistant project managers, and compliance and um, vendor management and most of their tools, whether it's computers or printout of large drawings, there is no desk closer than six, seven, eight feet from each other. So I wouldn't have to change any layout with um, uh, guards and, and all done. If I, when I look at it, I'm like, wow, this is already set up. However, it's empty. Everyone is so productive at home right now. I'm looking at, you know, six, seven, 8,000 square feet of space and I'm going, now what? They're all working, they're home. Yeah. And the landlord still wants his money. Then it's, is it a requirement to come back to the office? If you don't come back to the office, do I give up your office there? You still, oh, we have a lot of different <laughs> things to go through. Right now we've started a, I asked for volunteers to help us figure out a protocol of comfort. I got a couple of volunteers, but not many. So it's, it's interesting phases that I think we're going to go through. I, I think that's right. Um, I am fortunate, I'm a lawyer, so the open floor plan, um, while some of the larger firms have adopted it, a number of firms are size, um, and, and I would say most firms haven't, just because of the nature of communications when you're working with lawyers. Um, so I'm fortunate I work in a private office within, within our law firm. We have about 35 to 40 attorneys, um, all of whom who, you know, we have a handful that share offices, but most of them have their own. Mm -hmm. But you start to think, um, again, you know, with the discussions that have been happening while we're all in quarantine, you start to think about how am I gonna arrive at the building and go up in the elevators? Um, our elevators are notoriously crowded during morning arrival and departure times. 
um, I, I don't want to go in there and get in an elevator with, with 40 strangers right now. Um, I haven't been in an elevator with anyone other than my children in two months. I'm not really looking forward to that. And again, is, is it really necessary? Um, you know, I, I've heard a lot of talk about um, rules about, let's call it traffic patterns um, in terms of entering and exiting buildings. Um, you having to enter at certain times, certain floors entering at certain times, only using certain elevators, staggering, trying to encourage companies to stagger their workforce arrival and departure times, um, and only traveling in certain um, directions throughout the building, so to minimize the engagement or interaction between people, which then you start thinking, like, that really is social distancing, right? When I spent so many years thing. in my office. I see those people more than my own family and I haven't seen them in weeks. I miss them. <laughs> no, it's funny. Thank God for this technology of having yeah. And I'm starting to push that in my organization to say, turn the video on. I want to see you. Sorry, please. I know it's yeah. a crazy question. But you know, Jess, I even thought about, can I ask that? I, you have to use to come into the office to work normal business hours. I was physically seeing you. Now you're yeah. working from home. You're coming onto a communication device, audio, and I'm saying, no, I need to see you. Can I say that? I've been questioning everything I do. Can I do that? Because we're, I've never had in all the, the, you mentioned the PPP program, and maybe we'll talk a little bit there in what are the things you're telling, you focus in construction, mitigating risk, right? Um, doing it for many decades. So you know every template out there that's been used and right where to go and what those situations are. Now things are turning on its head. Never knew yeah. that couldn't get a labor force because of a pandemic. Did the government say the right things in order for a force majeure situation to say, I'm okay, I could stop. I could. What are you telling your, your, your clients? See, if, if, if we were having this conversation, but we're not as attorney and client, I would say not. I tell my clients, don't even say force majeure so quickly because it really depends on the contract, especially here in, in New York, right? Force majeure isn't the answer to everything because you want to know what your rights, obligations, and remedies are under your contract and what the definition of force majeure is. A lot of times force majeure includes act of God but sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it includes um, you know, natural disaster. But natural disaster is not always included in force majeure. And sometimes force majeure is undefined. But oftentimes, not always, but often we have um, different remedies for situations where um, the work is suspended or stopped for the simple or delayed for the simple no fault of the contractor. And if it's no fault of the contractor versus force majeure, which usually means the contract is impossible to perform, 
either permanently or for a period of time. So you may be entitled to, for example, additional sums of money or an extension of the contract time that's more generous for reasons not your fault um, than force majeure. So we really try to analyze it on a, a case by case basis. Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but good practice would be to send out notice to your project owners at the start of the shutdown, right? The government mandated shutdown and say, your project is gonna be delayed. We can explore essential status under some of the exemptions. And that even, that was a conversation that changed, right? First, all construction was essential, then only some. And that was an evolving dialogue as well. And then we went and analyzed all of the contracts. And then you wanna follow up and say, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to take, you know, you wanna word it kindly, not make it a lawyer's letter per se, but it's unfortunate, but we have to come back to you for time and money. And we're reserving our rights to do that when we see how this pandemic shutdown plays out. And, and when, when you have, um, our client base is all repeat clients. So our clients are long-term clients. So you wanna, you wanna do what's best for all, yeah. You don't want to take advantage of a situation, even if you can take advantage of a situation. Uh, it's the long game that we care about. The, the health and well-being of our employees, you know, as always, you want to do that right thing. But again, it's, it's new stuff. Now, I'm going to lay on top of this, and you mentioned it, the PPP plan. And that program that is in the construction world from your tradesmen to your GCs, you know, have been using that. And that's now changing what you would normally do with an impending recession. And I say it's in the future because I believe the PPP plan and people's PTO is helping in the last couple of months. Now, the end of June is the last day of the PPP plan from the standpoint of documentation on what is what will not have to be paid back or not. So July 1 is going to be a new world. There are so many questions there that I don't know if, again, you definitely don't have the answers because it's not well defined. It's at high level language at this point. Do I have that right, Jess, or? So that's my understanding. So it's not my area of expertise, but my corporate partners um, have written a number of articles about this um, that, that have been distributed by my firm. They've given a um, number of talks, webinars in a variety of different venues, um, construction industry um, with partners at accounting firms, and they're all trying to and that's spot on. It's all about interpreting this, this language that comes out from the government piecemeal, right? Yeah. It, it's a little bit at a time. And I think people are trying to understand even before they use the money, the rules about what they can use it for and then what documentation has to be provided for it to convert to a grant. But again, it's from my understanding from speaking with them on my basic level of understanding um, of the program is 
it's not easy to figure out. I know there's been a lot of advice to put the money in a separate account, try to work with your advisor to understand the rules and if you're actually gonna benefit from it. Um, because the simple answer is not, well, even if it's not forgiven, it's 1% in, alone at 1% interest. Apparently it's just not that simple. Um, there, there's a more detailed analysis. And, and like I said, from what I understand, it's complicated. And from what I understand, it's not gonna be a long-term solution, right? Because everyone's livelihood on a personal level, on a professional level, everyone's business, the livelihood of everyone's business is going to be affected and all of our personal livelihoods are going to be affected. Um, and, and it's just, that's the unknown waiting game is what's making this the most difficult, I think. It's interesting, uh, managing through recessions in the past, um, I'm not going to say it's easy because it's never easy, but there was always a clear path of what to do as tough of those decisions were. This PPP plan, at least for a couple of months, throws everything out of the window as to what you would normally do. And that's a little nerve wracking for your planning. So you're almost in a waiting period is a lot of myself and peers of mine, whether it's my competitors or, or my vendors, and what's going on. Oh, I can do that in the next four weeks for you, but after that, I can't. Oh, that's interesting. So I can get that millwork for half the price today, but on July 1, not, not only will it cost me twice as much, you just won't have the people to do it. Very interesting tactically what we're seeing out there and how that roosts in the future is going to be interesting. I, I agree. I think we're, we're both in um, professional roles where we're fortunate to be working. Um, your construction's coming back online even before it officially reopens. I've heard more and more projects. I heard of another one today being approved to reopen. Um, nothing's really changed you know they had been denied for essential status now they're allowed to open um and that definition was like i said it was one thing and then it was restricted and pulled back and now it's been expanding the last couple of weeks um without any official announcement by the governor but i'm sure you know better than i do that that's the case and what's being experienced is again you know better than i do is decreased manpower slow Supply, supply chain interruption and slow delivery of materials. And even when you get the manpower on site, you know, how do you comply with the distancing and the wash stations and taking temperatures and tracking, where do you know, where do you go, who do you know, and just trying to keep the workers safe. Um, and, and that's gonna be an interesting, right? Project schedules, project pricing, um, construction's not going away. It's just going to have to change, right? And the insurances that you have to buy are going to change, right? What's going to happen when a worker claims that he or she was exposed to COVID on the site? I mean, I, I oversee and supervise a number of labor law claims um, for certain clients. Um, we, we do that. We're not an insurance defense firm, but we supervise that work for some of our clients. And 
you know, of course, we're already devising strategies on, on causation, but it's going to be interesting where our industries, you know, I was going to say overlap, but we're really just in different roles in the same industry. Um, you know, really living the same things, just sitting in different chairs at the table. Um, interesting to see what these insurances cover. The one benefit I can share with you is that there are less injuries on site by these fewer workers. <laughs> so no, there are it, less accidents it, because it's, it's, that's, a, that's a silver lining here, right? Because there are fewer workers. They're much more aware and cognizant of their surroundings. They totally are just more mindful and they really do not want to have to go to the hospital or city MD if they don't have to. And the, the so there have been very few accidents on these open sites. You know, it's That's interesting. Good. On the workman's comp side of things, you know, I, I think all the carriers of general liability were really clear in clarifying what they will ensure relative to pandemic, COVID, I'm sick, I brought it home, my mom got it, and she passed. It's your fault, Talis, and you had a duty to keep my job site clean. This is on and on and on and on. Um, and when I would hear within a week, right, within a week of this pandemic, you would start after the, I call it the deer in the headlights, watching the news, what is going on. A week goes by, you start to, okay, let, let rationale, logic start to sip, sink in where other liabilities. And right away, it was, I was stepping back and thinking on the workman's compensation side. Do I have a duty to make sure no one gets